Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked on Wolfpack, and I'm bringing you the pregame episode that I promised you, and this episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, what we're going to be doing is getting into and breaking down today's, uh, or tonight's rather, matchup against Clemson and, and all the things that uh, it will mean as far as going position group by position group, which group has the edge, as well as me giving you my prediction. Y'all know how I like to do it. I like to keep it mysterious. I like to keep it till the day of. And I don't always pick with state. Y'all know that about me. I, I've gladly admitted when I'm wrong in the past, but I don't always pick with state. So stick around for a full in-depth position by position, who has the edge, who's better analysis, and more on today's episode of Locked on Wolfpack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, all of this, of course, is going to be um, subjective because that's what sports talk is, right? All of it is based upon what I think and, and what I've seen and all that good stuff. And I like to stick to numbers. However, however, I want to start with this premise. Remember how everybody criticized Coach Doran and said that he only plays cupcakes in the beginning of the season. He plays a bunch of nobodies. And so we go 4-0 while playing the University of the Island of Misfit Toys and whatnot. And and it doesn't really matter. And, and, you know, the teams that we were playing were just just god-awful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, looks like the shoe's on the other foot this year. Looks like the shoe's on. Listen, all I'm saying is this. You can say what you want about, uh, you know, what the teams actually are. But in terms of coming into this game and saying who has played who, who has, you know, gone up against the, the, the tougher opponents coming in, that shouldn't be a question. That should not be a, a hmm who has played tougher uh, teams coming in? Hmm. Who has had to to go against uh, better guys and, and who's done what against those teams? That shouldn't be a serious question. It just shouldn't be. Because again, we've seen the teams that NC State has beaten already this year have gone on to pull off massive uh, wins like Texas Tech beating Texas and things along those lines. Like that's that's just the reality. Whether you want to talk about it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, whether you want to give a lot of credence to that game or not, it's something that happened there. It's it's something that you cannot uh, avoid or, or run from. And so with that being said, I just want to talk about uh, the fact that, again, normally, normally I lead with numbers. Normally I do. But in this case, the numbers may be a little skewed. They may be a little thrown off. A little thrown off by the fact that, again, Clemson has played teams that so far this year they played four teams, and of the of the four teams that they played, I want to say three are FBS. Okay, you've got Louisiana Tech, you've got Wake Forest, and you've got Georgia Tech. Two in conference, right? The two teams that they played in conference are um, how do I put this gently? I think that they have two of the worst defenses in the nation. And that is not 
again, I, I like to I like to lead with the numbers and work my way back from there when I can. But those two defenses, I mean, if we look at their uh, rushing defenses, Wake Forest, 68th in the nation. Georgia Tech, 120th in the nation of 131. I'm going to explain to you the significance of that later. But keep in mind that while I normally lead with numbers, this is a case where the numbers may be a little skewed. And trust me, I'd be the same way if NC State played uh, a bunch of lollipop teams and I felt like I'm not necessarily confident in, in who they've played thus far. I would be the exact same way. So now, with that being said, with that out of the way, we start at the quarterback position. We're going to start with the backs, of course, the backfield, quarterbacks, running backs, um, and, you know, fullbacks, tight ends. We're going to start right there, okay? So who has the better quarterback? Now, again, DJU, statistically speaking this year, has been much better than Devin Leary, has put up uh, a much better QBR and all that good stuff than Devin Leary. With that being said, I'm not ready to dismiss a sample size of multiple seasons for a sample size of four games. Now, I hope uh, it is the hope that um, it is the hope that Devin Leary gets it together and, and, and plays really good ball and all that. But even still, if we're talking about uh, their ability to perform against, you know, high quality defenses and all that good stuff, if we're just talking about what we have seen here. Um, we can all agree that DJ looked good in his first couple appearances, right? Against Notre Dame and, and the team that Clemson played before that when Trevor Lawrence had COVID. He performed, he balled out, he looked amazing. Then the year after that, mm, not so much. And then we get started into this year and even in the Georgia Tech game. For a good chunk of that game, it was a struggle. It was not an easy time moving the ball. It felt like if Georgia Tech's offense could get anything going, if they were going to piss a drop at any point in time, at any point in time, they were back in that game. Never happened, but that's just the reality. There. So who has the better quarterback? I I think with what we've seen out of Devin Leary, and, and Andrew Snicker brought up a very interesting point that I want to touch on here for a second. Andrew Snicker said, if Devin Leary plays well from this point forward in the season, if he plays well from this point forward in the season, nobody will remember the rough four games to start it. And that's a very good point. And I don't even think it was a full rough four games. I think that he played extremely well against lesser opponents, of course, dominated UConn, dominated Charleston Southern. But that's what you're supposed to do. That's what an average quarterback could do. That's what I think a below average quarterback could do, um, given the opportunity. You've got to dominate those games. but. We're talking about, you know, who has the better play. And DJ is highly touted, right? Got a, had all the stars in the world, five-star guy. Uh, some people were still projecting him as a first-round pick after last year and all that. So, you know, all that good stuff. I'm going to give a decided edge to NC State here. I think that this isn't a, a slight edge. I don't think this is one where I got to meander and think about that too much. The backfield. This is a much more interesting place. This is a much, much more interesting place. Will Shipley, they must have gave that man some, some super soldier serum or something. Out of Weddington, North Carolina, has Wolfpack blood running in him. Of course, some of his family are uh, NC State alums and whatnot. And 
And um, he tore his ACL last year, but he is back and looking very, very explosive. Now, now again, this is one of those moments where you have to take into account the, the books may be cooked a little bit in terms of like, yes, you can only play who's in front of you, but also who's in front of you kind of affects how I see your numbers a little bit, right? So again, we're talking the the best FBS defense, rushing defense that, that um, Clemson has faced was Wake Forest, who was 68th in the nation. Georgia Tech is 120th. And Louisiana Tech is 126th of 131. So half of the teams they played are in the bottom 10 in the nation. I'm sorry, bottom 11, because it's 131. So bottom 11, but definitely in the bottom 10%. They're in the bottom 10% in terms of stopping the run. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Clemson ran the ball amazingly against Louisiana Tech, so that kind of skews their numbers probably. Okay, okay, I feel you there. Let's talk about this for a minute. Georgia Tech, they allowed 119 carries, I mean 119 yards on 40 carries, which averages out to about just just a smidge shy of three yards per carry, right? Okay, three yards per carry. I want you to keep that in mind, 119 yards on 40 carries. Do you know who else did the exact same thing? Literally identical numbers, identical. And let me let me check to make sure because I, I, I saw this and I could not believe it. I was quite literally in disbelief. But the same numbers were put up against that Georgia Tech team by Western Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know that some folks are going to have a hard time believing that that's the case. I know that some folks are not going to, you know, they're going to say I'm crazy. They're going to call me everything but a good Christian for saying that. I am telling you, they beat, uh, Georgia Tech beat Western Carolina 35 to 17. And Western Carolina had 119 yards on exactly 40 carries. The numbers are identical. So then you ask the question, how is Georgia Tech 120th in the nation in rushing yards allowed if those two performances weren't great? Most people say they're not great, right? You don't want to allow um, over 100 yards rushing. And, of course, that's taking away sack yardage too. But you don't want to allow 120 yards rushing, of course. But how are they in the bottom 11 teams in the nation will become the question. Well, there's a simple answer to that. When you go forward and you look at the other FBS teams that Georgia Tech has played, Clemson had by far the worst day running the ball. What do I mean by Clemson had the worst day running the ball? Well, let's take a look at what happened against the mighty uh, Ole Miss Rebels. They ran the ball for 316 yards and six touchdowns, five per carry. Oh, well, well, hold on. That is Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is much better than this team, and that's, you know, they're they're bigger, stronger, faster. You know, that's a different breed than what they got out there at, uh, at Georgia Tech, different caliber of athlete, all that. Okay, I understand. Let's go on to UCF. 
Let's go into UCF as well. At UCF, we're looking at 56 carries for 284 yards. So I, I think that the, the message I'm trying to get across here is that while Shipley and um, while Shipley and Pace have looked really good at times, they and they are very explosive. I'll, I'll give both of them that. If you let them run in straight lines, if you let them get downhill, um, you're gonna have some problems on your hands. I don't think either has if if you, if I'm even, I'm leaving speed. But Shipley is a tough runner that has some speed on him. Um, pace, kind of similar, not as physical, a little bit more shifty, but even with that, not an amazing tackle breaker. I'd say that NC State's uh, duo of of uh, Demi and Jordan Houston take a, a very, very slight edge, a very slight edge, because they've rushed, they have looked good against good defenses. Again, whether you like it or hate it or whatever the case may be, Texas Tech has one of the best running rushing defenses in the nation. They're 27th. They're 27th of 131. And you know why it's so interesting that they're 27? They played the guy that is allegedly one of the best running back prospects in the last five to 10 years in Bijan Robinson. And they beat him. They beat him. So I, I think that um I think that the slight edge as far as um running backs is is concerned goes to NC State. I, I think there's a slight edge there. I think that one is much closer than the uh Battle between quarterbacks. I'm almost tempted to call this a push because, again, Demi is good at breaking tackles, but sometimes having that home run threat that you, you know, once they get Jordan Houston's very quick, laterally, he's very quick. I have not seen a lot of, oh man, he's even, he's leaving out of these state running backs. So the uh, slight edge, slight edge, is a very, very slight edge I would give um, to NC State's running backs. And in terms of the uh, tight ends and fullbacks, this is the last thing I'm going to touch on before we go to break. But the in terms of the tight ends and fullbacks, I think that the the discussion is about Trent Penix being out, number one. And number two, the fact that, I mean, Clemson's got some big, big body guys at, at that tight end position that are going to go up and high point the ball. Touchdown Tootle is good. Christopher Tootle is a guy I like a lot. I watch him play and I say to myself, man, he's, he always finds a way to get open in that red zone. He always finds a way. He can sniff that goal line. He gets better the closer you get to the goal line, okay? But I would argue that Clemson is a little bit better in that area with uh, as far as the tight ends and fullbacks go with what we have in terms of injuries to our tight ends. I would say that uh, Clemson is, is definitely a little bit better at the tight end position. And that's not a knock on our tight ends. It's not saying that they're not quality, that they're not good players or anything like that. But Davis Allen and uh, Drake Brenningstool, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing Brenningstool correctly there, but those two, they're, they're absolute ballers. And they're, again, just massive human beings. Davis Allen is 6'6", 250. That's, that's tough. That's a, a tough guy to say to yourself hey, we're going to make sure that he doesn't do anything against us because he showed his ability to impact the game in terms of in the red zone last week, catching two touchdowns um, against against Wake Forest. And, of course, Drake Browningstool, a little bit younger, uh, but he's much in the same build. Another guy that's 6'6", big, big body, huge catch radius, not necessarily the greatest blocker in the world, but, I mean, our guys, I think Chris Petula is a good blocker. I think he's a better blocker than people give him credit for. But with that being said, I 
think they have an edge there. I think they have a, a decided edge there. If Trent Penix was playing, I think we'd be looking at a much different situation in terms of my evaluation of those positions. But with that being said, I think that they've got the advantage there. And I'm, I am forgetting one of the twins right now because I know we got twins. One of them is a linebacker, one of them a tight end. And I believe it's Yarbrough. Um, but yeah, he's Yarbrough is good as well. He's good, but he's not quite on that level with those uh, guys that they got over there at Clemson. And that's just the reality. That's just the reality. Y'all know me. No fluff pieces, no hit pieces. And it's not to disrespect nobody. But I think that Clemson has a slight edge there. But don't worry. We've got a lot more position groups to get through. And, uh, again, I'll let you know exactly how I'm feeling, straight up and down, who I think is better and all that good stuff as the show goes on, all right? So, trust me, stick with me. I'm going to give you everything you need to, to make sure that you know exactly why I'm picking who I'm picking and who you should pick. And uh, speaking of picks, let me tell you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline is the number one source for all the football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports waiting information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport, the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So the next position group that we're going to get into is the offensive line. And the offensive lines are very, very similar. Very similar. Basically bringing back everybody with the exception of one new starter. Both of our new starters being at tackle. Their new starter is a freshman starting at right tackle. Our new starter, guy who's been in the program a little bit, Big Bendley, uh, playing out there at at uh, left tackle. Um, and that's that's a, a, a situation where I think that Clemson, again, their offensive line has looked good. But again, you're playing against 126, 120, and 68 and an FBS opponent and an FCS opponent. Uh, I don't, but they have played good ball. They have played good ball and they are back together. They are looking good. And I'm going to tell you this, even though I think that the, the, the numbers are inflated a little bit, there's still something to be said about getting that confidence of just beating up on teams a little bit. There's something to be said about that. So I think that their offensive line is good. I think our offensive line, just a hair better, just a hair, just a hair. Because again, they've proven it against teams that are really, really good. Last year, Clemson's offensive line struggled heavily. And I don't want to live in the past because that's, that is living in the past is a lot of what folks are doing in the media and a lot of folks are saying in terms of the talking heads nationally as far as Clemson hasn't won in Clemson in X amount of years and they haven't lost to teams back to back in years since Jameis Winston was here. And do, 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 do. This is not those teams. This team has things going on that a lot of these past teams have not. That a lot of those past teams have not. And this is not to disrespect nobody, but it's just the truth. Tosh Boyd ain't walking through that door. Deshaun Watson ain't walking through that door. Trevor Lawrence ain't walking through that door. I think depending on the game or depending on how this goes, Kelly Bryant ain't even walking through that door. You see what I'm saying? You get where I'm going here. The reality is um, this is not Brent Venables ain't walking through that door to call the defense. So this is not exactly what, you know, to live in the past and all that. 
and say what teams are or not based off last year. But with that being said, even if we look at what's happened this year, again, to to struggle to move the ball, and I'm not saying of course the game was 41-10. So I'm not saying that this is, you know, uh Clemson played horribly and they they couldn't do anything with uh Georgia Tech. What I am saying is this. For a large majority of those first two, again, first two, two and a half quarters, it was looking real rough. It was looking real. Uh, we're trying. It's just uh. the fourth quarter. They blew the doors off the game. But before then, it's going into the fourth quarter. It was 24 to 10. So this was still a, a ball game at that point. This was not a, you know, a type of situation where this was over by halftime. Um, like it may, it probably should have been, or like we have seen in some of Georgia Tech's other games this year. Because that that old Miss game, that thing was over at halftime. They were down twenty one zip at half. Or you go to UCF, which I don't think it was the same thing in terms of like it was over right away. I, I believe they were leading uh, thirteen to seven at halftime. But that's UCF. That's still a team that is, quote unquote, below you in terms of power five, group of five that went in with a a little bit of a lead as well. That was similar to Clemson's. So that's my only thing there. Now, this offensive line that they got, again, they're good. They're not terrible. I'm not saying that I expect our our defensive line to absolutely maul and destroy them and and DJ will have no time and there will be no holes. They're going to get some plays off here, I believe. But I think their offensive line has a little bit of an edge in in that regard. Now we get to the defensive line. And defensive line was the hardest group to evaluate. The defensive line was the hardest group to evaluate. Because off talent, Clemson has it. This this is not a matchup. This is not a discussion. This is not a thing. We have all conference guys. They have all Americans. We have guys that I think they have a chance at playing on Sundays. They have guys that are probably going to be taken in in round one. They're going to be in the green room uh, for the draft in in Murphy and and Brissie. And um, this is, it's, it's such a, a clear cut advantage in terms of like, if all things are even, but like I just included health, when I talked about the tight ends, I've got to talk about health here. I'm going to get to the linebackers in just a second, but I think that this group of linebackers claims it has better than the last. However, they are not always allowed to show that because when this defensive line is clicking, Ooh-wee. when they're looking healthy, when they're fully rolling, oh man, they're disruptors. They're a disruptor's disruptor, baby. They will reestablish the line of scrimmage. They will get north and south and make your offense, make your backs bounce east and west, which is what you want. That's what you want. That's how you have good defense, by making sure that the runners aren't going north and south. When you're going east and west, that's when we've got our best chance to stop you because your energy is not being spent going towards the end zone. This is being spent going towards the sideline. And now I've got guys coming directly towards the line of scrimmage where you are. That's what that is. So there's that. Um, And now with that being said, this defensive line has not always looked like that. They have not always looked like, oh, they're, yeah, yeah, these these are first rounders for sure. Oh, yeah, these are the guys. And I understand, and this is not to... I, I I it's I don't really want to talk about this, but I understand that there are other things going on. I understand that there have been losses in some of these players' families on top of the injuries and all that. You know, 
Um, my condolences goes out to the Brissy family. That's very serious. That's not, you know, something to joke about or talk about in here. That's, you know, that could very well affect somebody's play in a negative manner. It's not a surprise. It's not something that, but again, they have not always looked super dominant. They've looked good at almost every point. They look good, but they have not always looked like world beaters to the highest degree. And so when I think about NC State, I say, well, we've looked good too. And there have been moments where, you know, Clark and Durden and uh, Jackson have looked like world beaters as well, but they've been fewer. There have been fewer moments. And granted, that could be because of the teams we played and some of the systems that those teams run and all that. You know, it's very possible. Um, We have played some teams who like to get uh, fling the ball around the yard. And Texas Tech, I think their two best players that that were available offensively were their running backs, and they just didn't really take much advantage of them. So I think defensive line-wise, I think that Clemson has a decided edge. I think that they have – because, again – I, you're counting on them not showing up or not being something that we have seen out of them this year in order to say, well, they'll just be good. That's not a, a safe bet. The linebackers was the, the most fun. It was the most fun to watch film on both of these groups. I'm going to tell you, man, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> this Clemson linebacker, Carter, Trotter, Simpson, they are, um, uh, it's a blast to watch them play. It's a black, particularly Carter. Carter is everywhere. He's everywhere all the time. He's every time you turn on that tape, you're going to see Carter near that ball. That's just the man is a ball seeking missile. Uh, Their their trio of linebackers and our trio of linebackers (laughs) to this game will feature, I believe, two of the top five linebacking cores in the country, in the country. I, I believe so. I wholeheartedly believe so. The only difference is the things that they're good at. That's that's the only difference. I, I believe that Clemson's linebackers are better at all the things that would be considered traditionally linebacker things, right? Like they're better playing off the line of scrimmage. Um, they're they're a little bit better in coverage. Actually, no, they're a good bit better in coverage. However, NC State linebacker score has more versatility. Drake Thomas off the edge is a menace. Peyton Wilson off the edge is a menace. They both rush the passer better than I think any of uh, those three guys do. But d- let's not get that confused. Uh, Carter and Trotter are very effective blitzers. Very effective blitzers. I could have Trotter and Simpson mixed up there. I'm, I'm not sure. I believe it's Carter and, and, and Trotter are very effective blitzers. But still, the ways in which they're used in that system or the ways in which they've been used this year a little bit limited, which is why I, I keep trying to tell everybody Losing Brent Venables ain't a small loss. That ain't a little, you know, a little tap on the arms, a little, oh, it's okay. Because he get, with these linebackers, oh, boy. Oh, I could only imagine how creative he get. But now, with that being said, um, as far as the linebackers, I, mm, this is tough. This is tough. And I wrote this down before the show, and I want to say it. I want to say it. But I'm going to say this one is a push. These two, it's it's a battle of the titans. It's the irresistible force against the immovable objects. These two linebacking courts, absolutely phenomenal. You have to search and dig deep for a weakness. And even when you find that weakness, they don't have that weakness as a core. It's that one individual's weakness. It is 
I think the NC State has a little bit more depth at the linebacker position, but the Clemson's guys at the top do so much so good. It's it's crazy. It's crazy watching. And I'm not trying to fanboy out over them, but there's some ballers. There's some ballers. I think that we got some ballers as well. That's why I'm going to give that one a push. And now the defensive backs. <clears throat> Whoo. NC State has turned one of its biggest weaknesses into a strength overnight in terms of its defensive backs. I'm not sure if Tyler Baker Williams is going or not today, but he is a pivotal piece of this thing. However, the outside corners have been mauling everything that comes their way. And, of course, the safeties are the safeties are the safeties. Tanner Engel doing his thing. Cyrus Fagan doing his thing. Devon Boykin is a playmaker's playmaker. Whenever you see him on the field, he is the defensive version of what Anthony Smith was last year for me. Whenever you see him on the field, doesn't matter if it's special teams, doesn't matter if it's um, doesn't matter if it's lined up at safety, doesn't matter if it's lined up at nickel. Wherever you see him, he is going to make a play. Now those guys at Clemson. <clears throat> They're looking like a very unserious outfit at the moment. They're looking very unserious in terms of that that secondary. Now, the the thing that would hurt me most is if we were to turn around and make that secondary look a lot better than what it is. That, to me, would be like upsetting to no end. Upsetting to no end. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that they're the worst secondary in the world. No, I haven't seen anything good out of them or anything like that, because that's not true. That's not true at all. They've got, again, they've got some guys. They, they've got some some of their defensive backs. Hey, they know how to do it. They know how to get the job done, all that good stuff. I am just saying, if this defensive backfield, Sam Hartman lit this defensive backfield up, and granted, there is a up-tempo much harder push the ball downfield vibe to Wake Forest offense. But this secondary looked lost in the sauce at multiple points. Like it was not a situation where I don't mind seeing high scoring games where both teams are like they're in position. It's just the offense is making plays that you're just like, hey, man, you know, if they make that hat, if they make that catch, you tip your hat and you say, all right, you got to do it again next drive. Right. It wasn't that it was busted coverages. It was guys looking at uh, the back of guys head. it was biting on double moves. It was uh, um, panicking at the moment of truth. I think NC State has a clear advantage in terms of um, in terms of corners. I mean, in terms of defensive backs, I think it's NC State has a very clear advantage. I, I'm I make no bones about that. I make no you know qualms about. Uh, calling that out I think it's it's very clear that NC State has the uh, advantage there and it's it's kind of surprising because a lot of people were expecting Andrew Makuba to take like a next step and and you know become that dominant lockdown guy or uh, Sheridan Jones to be the guy who you know he's been in the program for a while at Clemson and folks were expecting him to come in and, and do certain things in terms of uh, being the the guy, and it just hasn't really materialized so far this season. So NC State gets a decided advantage there. And in terms of special teams, again, NC State special teams haven't looked good this year. They've looked uh, phenomenal 
they have won us games already this year. So uh, I think Clemson special teams are good. I'm not saying that they're bad, not saying that they're useless or reckless and like there's no point. Not, not saying none of that. What I am saying is I put ours up against anybody. I put our special teams up against anybody. And it's kind of troublesome to me that you got a guy who just is recovering from a torn ACL, not only carrying the bulk of the load at running back for them, but also being the primary kick and punt returner in uh, Will Shipley. That's a little troubling for me. That's, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a little bit of a like, what? What are you doing? So that's just my my thoughts there. And uh, I'm going to give you my prediction in just a bit. But before I do, we have got to get a word in from our local sponsors. So the the moment of truth has come and I must give you my prediction on on who I think wins this game. OK, I, I think that there should be um, there should be a, a, a inkling if you kind of add up and tally up who I've got winning what positions. And, you know, again, you just do the numbers on it and say, well, who who uh Add, again, add up the numbers of these different position groups and see who I have winning in terms of that. But with that being said, I have NC State winning this game. I think Devin Leary figures it out. I think this is the game that he turns it on and he puts all of what's been uh, going on so far in the past. And I think that Devin Leary and company I think that the, the defense does enough, and I think that there's enough cracks shown in Clemson's armor that they chip away at. I think NC State gets it done 37-27. I think NC State gets it done 37-27. That's, that's my prediction. That's my official word on this thing. Y'all heard it here first. So, um, again, I, I, I think that this would be a, a really entertaining game. I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was closer. I also wouldn't be surprised if the score was worse, but that's just what I think. I think that NC State has enough advantages to where if they don't, you know, if the moment isn't too big and they don't piss down their leg, I think that this is this is the shot. This is the year to get it done. Thank you all so very much. Oh, before I go, I was asked to explain what QBR is, right? So QBR is different from uh, passer rating in that QBR does not just factor in like how, what happened on the actual play. What was the result of the play, right? So for example, um, if you throw five bubble screens and all five go for 50 yard touchdowns, you're on the books as having a five for five completion per- or five for five, hundred percent completion percentage, 50 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, right? So by quarterback rating, you'd have a perfect or passer rating rather not quarterback rating by passer rating. You'd have a perfect passer rating, which in the NFL is 158.3. I don't know how high it goes in college, but you have a perfect passer rate. QBR factors in all things that you did. So, like, yes, if you if you threw five bubble screens for touchdowns, you would have, like, an, a slightly above average, but you're not going to have a crazy, crazy uh, QBR because you didn't the, – the majority or bulk of the work was not done by you per se. And so, uh, with that being said, it factors in how you run the ball as well. Again, as opposed to the average quarterback – the average score for a QBR is 50, okay? 50 means you were perfectly mid, like you did what you were supposed to do, nothing more, nothing less. You didn't hurt your team, you weren't a net negative, but you didn't help your team a lot within the totality of what you did, so you weren't a net positive either. 
Below 50 means you have hurt your team a little more than you help. Above 50 is like, okay, you're, you've done some good things. Generally, when you get up into like the 80, 90 territory, you're looking at like Heisman talk. Like 70s, you're, you're playing good ball. You're playing some really good ball. 80s, 90s, that's when you start talking about Heisman and records and all that type of stuff generally because you're affecting the game positively above what a replacement could do at a very high level. Uh, I had a, a listener ask me for that, and I had not explained it yet. I don't believe it. So today I wanted to take the time out to do that. But anywho, I hope y'all enjoy the game tonight. No having to get in Valley Sports or Fubo. That's great. We get to see it on ABC. Peace and love, y'all. As always, go Pack. Our Locked On Wolf Pack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolf Pack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 